we're beginning to create a foundation of how we're supposed to live our life after we've made the choice to follow Christ. I'm not going to be here long. The Spirit is here. I don't believe God makes any mistakes at all. And I relish, I love it. I love it. It's like that fighter that's getting ready to go into the ring when praise gets so high. I just want to go out and just punch something. <laughs> I just want to go out and continue to give God his due because he deserves it. If you don't understand, then go through something. And then on that other side, you'll realize that he deserves all your praise. Today's scripture comes from Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I'm going to give you the title in just a second, but I want, I want to lay some groundwork really quick. Racial and ethnic, racial, ethnic, and social segregation are as old as society itself. Wherever people are, it is innate in us to form groups and cliques along those same lines. And churches are no exception to that rule. In Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, he acknowledged the diverse group of believers and how that segregation was evident in the church. On the surface, it may not appear that the people of the church of Philippi had anything in common. But Paul taught them that they were all equal in the body of Christ and that the one thing that they all had in common is that they were all sinners saved by grace. He taught them that there was a need for them to humble themselves as Jesus had done and be unified in the love of Christ. In a world segregated by class and by ethnic lines, the church of Philippi was one of the first examples that also broke those barriers. They live by the scripture, Galatians 3.28, and I didn't give this to Tab, so she's not going to put it on the screen. But that scripture laid a foundation for how we should treat one another, and this is what it says, is there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is no, neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In order for us to reach the place of destiny God has called us to, in order for us to take back control of what society says is acceptable and what is unacceptable, to align it with God's will, we must destroy those same barriers that existed back then that still exist today. God's word tells us that he's returning for a church without a spot or wrinkle. So a few moments I would like to speak to you on the topic of breaking bad religious habits. There, there, there are many things that I pondered and I thought about and I was asking God, which, what do you want me to say? God, give me the word that, that you want me to give to your people. And I mean, we've all been in church a long time and we realize that there are many habits that need to be broken in the church. But in, within keeping with our foundation of enduring the cross and breaking bad relationships, I want to focus on the transition from unbeliever to believer. And how some things that we experience at the hands of believers 
in that process can drive us to not want to continue our journey with Christ. Many times after a person has decided to give their life to Christ, they will experience an overwhelming amount of feelings. And depending on the fellowship that they're in, it can be a mixture of good and bad. They will experience a range of emotions, starting with excitement. Excitement because they feel they believe the word of the preacher and they want to go out and they want to give their life to Christ and they're strengthened by testimonies that they hear and they're strengthened by praise and so they've decided to activate their faith and step out and give their life to Christ. They believe the word that says that they will be greeted with love, welcomed with open arms, open hearts, and they will be allowed into a safe haven or a refuge in the church where they can come as they go through spiritual rehabilitation so that once they complete that process, they will be equipped with those same resources and tools to do their part to fulfill the Great Commission. But in many cases, very soon after they feel those great feelings of excitement, that excitement fades. And in a lot of cases, that excitement is replaced with feelings of abandonment, with judgment, and rejection. They'll feel abandonment because after they've come down from that spiritual high, they are promised that they will not have to endure the journey alone. That someone would be in touch that following week. And I'm not talking about prosperity. I mean, <laughs> heavenly vision. As we all know, anyone going through any type of rehab should not be left to endure that journey alone. And so many of us being new believers, we anxiously await that call. We await that text. We await that email. And then in many cases, it never comes. In some cases, after that spirit of excitement has come down, they're overwhelmed with the spirit of judgment. Even though we tell them that no matter what you've done in your past, we serve a God who is able and just to forgive. No matter what the sin is, because his son has paid the price. But because so many of us believers are not dying to our flesh daily, we will immediately take offense to what that individual or that person has done, doing or will do, and look down our nose as if we haven't sat in that same seat. We will then judge them very harshly, sometimes to their face, but in most cases, Behind their back. We'll tell their business. We'll go and we'll tweet about it. We'll text about it. We'll Facebook about it. Can't believe that this person showed up. We'll try to leave the name out. But that doesn't relieve you from the fact that you just talked about somebody that has gone through something that needed you to be there. And so that spirit of judgment has set in. And what happens and things that we don't oftentimes realize is that when we're out telling people about something that somebody else said, we're looking for allies. We're looking for allies that will help us build a case about not associating with that individual. So we have to be careful about judgment. Some of us are even so bold that we don't care what they feel. We'll tell them to their face exactly what we feel about what they did. I can't believe you would do that. What made you think that was okay? Or you'll just have a look of disgust on your face. 
So then they'll transition from the feeling of being judged to feelings of rejection. Rejection because of instead of wrapping our arms around them and loving them regardless of their sin, we begin to push them away. Instead of sharing the knowledge of what God has done and how he's paid the price for their sin, we'll say things like, oh, my God, I can't have that around me or my children. I don't want that spirit jumping off on me. I can't afford to have someone like that around me when the fact of the matter is you can't afford not to. Because the moment that you decide to pick up your cross and follow Christ, it is your responsibility to love on somebody regardless of their past, regardless of their proclivity, regardless of what they've done. Even that morning, as a Christian, we're supposed to love one another the way that Christ loves us. And that's unconditionally. So as we work on that journey and creating foundations of how we can progress, I told you I'm, I, I, I'm okay with identifying issues, but I'm more concerned about providing solutions. We can all sit there and talk about what somebody has done, but what are we doing to help bring them out of that situation? So to help us get to where God has called us to be, we have to break those bad religious habits. And so we'll start with the first one, abandonment. Abandonment is defined as to relinquish, renounce, or to give up concern in something. Too many of us walk through our Christian walk with the not I mentality and not of us with the me too. That it's okay that you've gone through what you've gone through because I've walked that same walk. I may not have had the same outcome, but I've experienced some of the things that you've gone through. And if I haven't, then I'll stand there with you and we'll learn together. To help counter the spirit or feeling of abandonment, as Christians, we have to replace that spirit with one of support and encouragement. First scripture says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, it says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Verse 10 says, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. We have to understand that it is our charge to be there for somebody as they continue to go down the road of spiritual rehabilitation. God didn't put us on this earth to travel alone. When he formed man, he also formed beasts and animals, and then he also gave him a help meet. So we weren't designed to travel the road alone. Even Christ didn't travel the road alone. He had disciples. So it's our charge as Christians to make sure that we're there to lift one another up. And as it says in the scripture, that two are better than one. So that in times when I may not understand some of the things that I'm going through, I can bounce it off of my brother and say, hey, even if you haven't gone through it, let's work through this thing together. Let's call somebody else that you may know that may have gone through it we can learn together and we can lift one another up and we don't have to feel abandoned. Ecclesiastes 4 and 12 says, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not easily broken. Now I'm going to give you two different aspects of that threefold cord. The first of the, of the aspects is 
the three cords are assistance. So when somebody walks through those doors, it's our job to assist them regardless of what the need is. Some of us have the heart to reach out and be there to assist financially, provide food, shelter, whatever it is. When they walk through those doors, we're supposed to assist their needs. The second of the three chords is to comfort them. Let them know that it's okay that you've gone through the things that you've gone through. Because guess what? On the other side of that thing, your testimony, your testimony is what we're going through it for. We're trying to grow and we're trying to learn. And we're supposed to be able to talk about the things that we've gone through. So in your testimony, I'll find comfort. It's not for me to hold this thing in all by myself. It's for me to talk to somebody. But I can't do that if I feel abandoned. And the third thing is to defend. That's that third chord, is the defense. I don't care what you did. I don't care who stands up against you. My mama told me when I was little that if one fight, all fight. So because we've all been adopted into the family of Jesus Christ, when one fight, we all fight. We talked about this in week one where we said that everybody needs a Samson. Oh, God, I got you. My shoulders aren't broad for nothing. But this is the mentality that we all have to begin to have for one another so that we can get to where God wants us to be. The second perspective of that threefold cord is that it's you, me, and God. Because the Bible tells us where two or more are gathered in his name, there he may be also. You'll find in, in plenty of marriages during the ceremony, they'll take that cord and they'll bind the two together. And that cord is supposed to represent Christ. So if we think about it, you covered on all ends. You got assistance, you got comfort, you got defense. You got me and you got God. I'm not on the same level of God and nor do I claim to be, but guess what? He's equipping me with the tools and resources necessary to be able to stand with you in your time of need. We've got to do things different. People come in here expecting something different. We can't give them what the world gives them. There's plenty of people that are already dealing with abandonment. How many broken homes do we have? How many kids do we have that are just foster kids out in the street with nobody to turn to? We don't know how close somebody is to ending it all because they feel abandoned, because they feel like nobody is there. And when they walk through those doors, they get the same treatment. Y'all might not like me after this, but guess what? I got my running shoes on today. Catch me if you can. But I promise you, his word is his word. And I heard, I keep hearing this, the truth don't need no help. The truth is right here. He's telling us exactly how we're supposed to live our life, how we're supposed to operate, how we're supposed to relate to one another. And that's the core word of relationship. In order for us to develop relationships, we have to relate to one another. We don't look down our nose at one another because of something that somebody's gone through. There's too many of us lost right now. There's too many churches not being populated with people that are supposed to be, that it's supposed to be populated with because we got too many people that are just sitting here and not going out into the world to win souls. 
to get rid of that spirit of abandon, abandonment and replace it with encouragement. Replace it with a positive relationship. And we'll continue to see new souls won for Christ. But so many people are turned off about Christianity because of us. Because of the way that we look at one another. Because of the way that we talk to one another. Because of the way that we relate to one another. Because we don't demonstrate the love that Christ has demanded for us to demonstrate to one another. How are we supposed to expect somebody else to come in here? The second bad religious habit that we have to break is judgment. There was a few different definitions of the word judgment, but I found one that I think is very apropos to the Christian church. And judgment is defined as an opinion or a conclusion. Neither my opinion nor my assumed conclusion matters. As the Bible tells us in Matthew 7, 1 through 5, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, you will be judged with that same measure. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? When there is a log in your own eye. But see, this is the part that a lot of people leave off. Nobody likes to venture into verse 5. It says, you hypocrite. We see people that come into the church every day. No, we look at their situation and we try to assume we know versus going out and communicating and developing a relationship with that person. We, we start to assume that because a young brother comes in here and his pants are sagging that he's gang affiliated. Well, what if he just didn't have a belt? We see a young sister come in here with a baby, and we assume that she was having premarital sex and got herself knocked up, and then she's out there by herself, and now she's coming to the church to get help. Why do we need to help her? Nobody told her to lay down with that person. But we don't know that she could have been raped, that she could have been molested, that she could have been married, and that her husband left her, and them babies to deal with so they come in here and they get the same rejection and the same judgment that they got out in the world because everybody's looking down on them because they're not meeting an expectation that hasn't, that hasn't been met by the person delivering the expectation. A lot of us will go through life acting like we're God, acting like we've lived the perfect life. But I stand here today to tell you as transparent as I can be, I've messed up. I've done things that I shouldn't have done. About, I can say probably about six of the ten commandments I've probably done. I've broken. So does that mean that God doesn't love me? Does that mean that God doesn't forgive me for my sins? Does that mean that I'm, I'm excluded from reaching heaven? Does that mean that he's going to judge me even harsher? All judgment is the same. And he's the only one whose judgment matters. I could care less about what any of y'all think about me because guess what? At the end of it, 
There's only one person in that casket. And I've got to stand there and I've got to be accountable for everything that I've done. But I guarantee you that in my life, when he reviews it, those words that I would love to hear, I'm striving every day. I'm living a life that is pleasing in God's sight. And when he says, well done, I could care less what you said about me. I could care less about the fact that you didn't take time to get to know me. I could care less about you not being transparent enough to open yourself up to say me too. So instead of looking down on somebody, who is taking the courage to step forward, opening themselves up so that not only Christ can see their innermost flaws, but also us as brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember that you were that same brother and sister. You may not have done the same thing that they've done, but the Bible tells us that there's no difference in sin. Sin is sin. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. But here is the thing that makes the difference. We all deserve his grace and his mercy. He paid for it already. So we have to get rid of that level of classism. Those lines of, of, of hierarchy. Only reason we stand up here is so that the people in the back can see us. It doesn't mean that I'm elevated any higher than you. But me standing up here talking to you means that my judgment will be harsher because if I don't tell you the truth, I'm responsible. So understand that we've got to get away from the judging. We've got to open up our arms and wrap them around one another and get rid of the differences because we're all the same. And again, I go back to the youth. Please. Please understand that each one of us, gray hair, bald head, long hair, gray hair, doesn't matter. You were once in that same seat. So be careful what words you speak on these babies. What people don't understand, and if you don't believe me, go out and Google it. Don't Google it in church. Google it after church. The rate, the rate of suicide among black youth is increasing monthly. Because they don't feel like they can come to us and tell us what they're going through. We have to understand that this generation of youth that are out today are different than when we came up. And it's our fault. It's our fault. Because the way that we grew up, we said that when we have babies, we're not going to have them go through what we went through. But what we failed to realize is the things that we went through are the things that strengthen us and the things that are allowing us to stand here today that are putting us in a position so instead of you shielding your baby from the, the things that they have to go through, allow them to learn how to earn what it is that they get. Make them accountable for the things that they do. Don't push it under the bed or sweep it under the rug or you'll wake up one day and they're standing over you with a gun. Because society is telling them today that it's not okay for your parent to discipline you. Mine get choked out, punched, all that. I care not. And look where they sitting. Front row. I'm in, a, I'm in a different season in my life. 
So my expectations for mine is the same that I'm going to have for you. If I see your baby cutting up, I'm going to get on your baby the same way that I got on my baby. If you see my baby cutting up, then my expectation is for you to get on my baby the same way that you got on your baby. Don't make no difference because guess what? Society don't care whose baby they are. It's too many of them lost right now. We've got to take them back. Y'all don't understand, but the words of that song is real. We've got to take back what the devil stole or what he's attempting to steal. And he's attempting to steal their minds right now. He's attempting to steal their attention. Too many things are at their ease at their fingertips. I'm guilty. Thank you. I got one, two, three. They got cell phones. I got two that got tablets. They got data. So my phone bill is $500 a month. That's, I'm stupid. I am so stupid. I am so stupid. Told you I'd be transparent as I possibly. Listen, I'm stupid. Right. I'm sure I'm not the only one. They all get us with those lines. Hey, it's $40 a month. Just here. And then you turn around and, and then they got they want that new phone. Keon got that new watch. That's my, that's my boy. He got that new Apple Watch. Don't y'all think y'all get no Apple Watch. Y'all stick with that phone you got. But understand that if you decide to give them those things, you got to make them earn it. You got to hold them accountable for the things. Every one of my kids are above a 3.0 GPA. Even my baby Dallas, she do all her homework. Every day she do her own homework. Except for where's Auntie Dietrich? She's not here. Sometimes she tries to sneak it in and do it for her. We tell her, now, nah, Auntie, let her do it herself. But these are the things that we have to do. We've got to make sure that we pay very close attention to these youth. Because the distraction is there. I'll shut off data in a minute. Wi-Fi, I'll change the code. Y'all got to pay attention. You got to pay attention because the distractions are real. The Bible tells us that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He didn't tell us how he was going to steal, kill, and destroy. But I can tell you it's through distractions at this particular point. It's too many of our kids failing out of school, not completing high school, not even having the ambition to want to go to the next level. Because we're also not enforcing that next level is a must. There's no question. So if we want to see better, we've got to do better. We've got to hold them accountable. We've got to make sure that we wrap our arms around not only the youth but one another. And we've got to stop abandoning. We've got to stop judging. And then the last one is we've got to stop rejecting. Rejection is defined as the dismissing or the refusing of a person proposal or an idea it says that it is the spurning or the decline of a person's affection see when people come into the church they're expecting somebody just to love on them to tell them that regardless of what they've gone through that it's going to be okay because our God is and you don't have to put anything else behind it you can say our God is and then you let them fill in the blank because whatever it is that they need at that particular moment he'll be that he is that he will maintain them. He will give them everything that they need to be able to push forward. But we've got to demonstrate that first. 
when they walk through the doors, it's no more cold moments and people cutting their eyes and looking at people all crazy because they might not be dressed the way that you're dressed. Past two weeks, I had on a suit. This week, I got on jeans and a T-shirt and Jordans. Because guess what? There's going to be people that look like this. There's going to be people that look like Brother Michael. There's going to be people that look like everybody in here. So the way I got to reach you is the way I got to reach you. I got to let you know that it's okay. It's okay for you not to come to church with a suit on. Because guess what? Your praise is your praise. As long as you're giving it, it don't matter what clothes you got on. Because guess what? All of it will fade away. He's looking at this. He's looking at this. And so many times that once we come across and we get dipped in that water, we come out, we feel like we are angelic. We feel like we above reproach. And so our attitude and our words, they come across the same way to people who don't even understand that they've got to go through the test and the storm to be able to get to where God wants them to be to help them understand that it's okay to struggle with drugs because God is. It's okay to have gone through infidelity, but guess what? God is. It's okay to have gone through promiscuity because guess what? God is. He's a deliverer. He's a healer. He's the one that will set you free. It ain't got nothing to do with me. My words are supposed to be ones that represent him, not to condemn you. We have to live a life that's pleasing. So when they come in, let's work hard not to make them feel rejected. As believers that have lived for a little while, we have experienced many of those same things that new believers have gone through or that they will. But instead of operating in a spirit of transparency, we allow them to operate in a spirit of embarrassment. That spirit of embarrassment keeps us from allowing them to really know what we've done and who we are and the type of mistakes that we've made because of the fear of not being seen as holy or seen as holy as we think we are. Then we also have to be careful of that spirit of embarrassment because as we sit in that pew long enough, that spirit of embarrassment turns into a spirit of haughtiness or a spirit of arrogance. And we begin to think that we are above those sins and forget again that we were once that brother or that sister. The word tells us that we must humble ourselves. And a surefire way that we can humble ourselves is again to go back to what I said early. Share your testimony. Open up yourself to reveal who you were and show them who God has made you into be at this particular moment. Sharing your testimony might just be that thing that helps somebody get through spiritual rehab. Also know that many times our test is not just for us. See, this is a thing that some people forget. Your test and trial is not just for you. The things that you're going through are the things that you're supposed to be able to share with another young lady that's sitting right behind you. The things that you've gone through are you're supposed to share those things so that another young brother when he gets to be that age, won't make those same mistakes. Our life is supposed to be a living example of the greatness and the grace of God. But too many of us are, are ashamed of where we've been and we forget oftentimes where we've been and we get so caught up in where we think we are. But we've got to remove those scales from our eyes and understand that we can't reject anybody. We can't abandon anybody. We're supposed to love on one another. 
So today, I want everybody to stand with me and declare that no more will I be a proprietor of bad religious practices. No longer will I abandon my brother or my sister. No longer will I judge my brother or my sister. No longer will I reject my brother or my sister. Today, I stand on the word of God, and I will love you as I love myself and as Christ loves me. And I will make myself vulnerable to the kingdom. We've got work to do. We've got work to do, and we've got to take it very seriously. You guys don't even understand, or you might not even want to think about it, but the end times are very near. And our responsibility once we decide to make Christ our Lord and Savior is to live a life that's pleasing. So here at Heavenly Vision, I challenge each and every one of you that in your life, even outside of these doors, and more importantly, outside of these doors, don't come in here and fake and shake for me because it's not me that you're going to have to stand before to be judged by. But let your life outside of these doors reflect the love of Christ in you. Love on one another. Lift one another up. Be there to support one another. Because those same expectations are the things that we expect from Christ. I love you.